0: Good morning, Sunship, and welcome to our Saturday morning practical applications call, where we gather once a week to discuss what we've learned, or if we have any questions in our study of the workbook or the lesson, or actually now we're in the manual for teachers. So in this holy instant, I'm going to turn it over to my sister for our favorite morning prayer. Paula? Thank you.
1: <clears throat> and this is from the gifts of God. Surely... You will not fail to hear my call, for well, I have never feel fear, excuse me, have never failed to hear your cries of pain and grief, and I have come to save and to redeem the world at last from fear. It never was, nor is, nor yet will be what you imagine. Let me see for you and judge for you what you would ha- would look upon. When you have seen with me but once, you would no longer value any fearful thing at cost of glory and the peace of God. This is my offering, a quiet world with gentle ordering and kindly thoughts, alive with hope and radiant joy, without the smallest bitterness of fear upon its loveliness. Accept this now. For I have waited long to give this gift to you. I offer it in place of fear and all the gifts of fear. Can you choose otherwise when all the world is standing breathless, waiting on your choice? Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you, Paula.
0: Amen. Boy, that goes perfect with the lesson today, doesn't it? Yeah. Thanks, Paula. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, thanks, Helen. <laughs> Helen. <Yeah. laughs> yes, thank you, Helen. Gosh, can you just imagine how frightened she must have been when she first heard that voice? Fr- frightened in the fact that she must have thought she was just losing her mind. I'm so grateful she had courage. I really am. All right, my friend. Chris.
3: I'm sorry, Chris. This is Rayla. Um, I was trying to get you out of my pocket faster. Um, in re- reference to Helen and hearing the voice and thinking she's crazy, do you know that a lot of people that are gifted, um, like my daughter is psychic and my disabled daughter, and she just knows things that there's no way that she should be able to know? And people that are like that, that have those kind of gifts, or when they first hear from
0: Spirit, oftentimes
3: they do. They think they're crazy. I, I think that that's just kind of the norm i
0: I would imagine. Yeah.
4: And we all go a little crazy when you thought the program had been taken over by something that you was totally unexpected.
0: Mm. That is true. Well, I would love to open up the call to hear if anyone's had any shifts or miracle. Oh, well, the shift is a miracle. Um, uh, this week. Tell that. <laughs> what shift? So, who's got something they'd like to share from this week? I'm complete.
4: I would like to share something if everyone has nothing else that they want to. We were out at a dinner party last night that my wife and I were having for a a differently oriented group of people that were partying to a happening that completely upset them. A brother and a daughter of one of our very good friends were cleaning up all of the debris from a suicide. And this debris came about because a perfectly organized, um, outstandingly appearing uh, pillar of the community in the midst of what looked like a life which was exemplary, decided that she didn't want to go on and dispensed with herself. In the the ten years that we have had an association with this wonderful person, We have tried to bring about an interest in A Course in Miracles, but the person firmly enmeshed in their idea of the world resisted mightily, attacking me three times across this period with Apparently, normally reasonable objections to my having told her the truth, inadvertently upsetting her because I didn't recognize I was going to step on some of her private, unmentionable thoughts. In the process of helping these people pick up the debris and get their particular lives involved in this straight again, we again brought up that awful thing, A Course in Miracles, because we pointed out how beautiful it had organized our lives into something mentally functional, which seemed to lead into something physically functional. Immediately, the place exploded into three different perfectly good reasons why they could not possibly get involved in that. And, you know, we found out we misintroduced it again. Which reinforced the idea that the way the Course in Miracles spreads is through their observance, when they can calm down, not through your efforts, when they can calm down enough to see And wonder why you're so calm about the suicide, the accident, the disaster, the financial upset. So that's my outline for this morning. The timer says I'm done. I agree.
2: Thank you, Rob.
5: Hi, this is Ida. Um, I just talked with my mom, and she's feeling slightly better today. She was able to go out with my sister yesterday and get, get a few groceries and... She was lying down, and it's after 9 o'clock in the morning over there, so that's uh, unusual for her. So I just told her I want her to rest later, and she's, you know, not feeling like doing so much, the things that she usually does in her room and stuff like that, and I certainly certainly understand that, but... um, um, So I think she's okay, and thank you so much for your... um,
6: for your uh, good thoughts and prayers. I'm complete. Thanks, Ida. Glad your mom is better.
4: Yeah, I'm glad to hear that, Ida. Thank you. Oh, thank you.
0: Hey, it's Chris. Um, I would love to go back to um, Rayla's uh, opening about talking about her daughter and psychic abilities and metaphysical experiences that we all are aware of that, that happens to help us remind that, um, that we really are not bodies. Rayla, well, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but if you want to share more, I would love to hear. I'm complete.
3: Yeah, I would. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and yes, and one of the things, um, Anna has a respite lady, and her respite lady happens, and this is why this was on my mind, her respite lady happens to be psychic, and she not only knows things that there's no way she could know, she sees Things And she knows that I'm in school to become a counselor. And so she has come to me several times and said, I think I'm losing my mind. I'm going insane. I saw blah, blah, blah. And then so what we have done is I have sat with her and we have tracked the things that she saw. Um, For example, She came out of an abusive relationship, and she was getting gas one day, and she said, I swear to God, Rayla, I saw him drive by me. I swear, I did. (laughs) and she said but you know what he wasn't there but I swear I saw it and I was like it's okay calm down take a breath you are having a vision and so we started tracking these things that she saw that she thought were making her crazy well what ended up happening on that particular one was sure enough he showed up here in town right after that and I said do you see these are your little warnings from the universe and I was telling her we're all one we're all tapped into the same mind And it's not about our physical bodies. It's not that we are this flesh and blood. We are this spirit thing, and we all know everything. We just have forgotten that we know. And I said, you were picking up from the one mind that he was intending to come here. And so we had been tracking all of her little visions and her knowings and all that. And sure enough, every single time that something like that happens, then it eventually comes true. something happens to show that, yep, that was a vision, that was a a message from the universe that, yes, something's fixing to go down. And she just now, she's been working with us um, since early summer, and she just now is getting to the place where she no longer feels like she's insane. She'll start out thinking, oh, my God, and then she's like, oh, wait, 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 this is a gift. I'm not crazy. I'm gifted. And then she'll kind of talk herself through it. And people that have had their gifts Um, I don't know the right word, Uh, poo-pooed by other people. I'm sorry, I'm talking Anna's language. (laughs) By other people who, who didn't give any validity to their gift then they tend to think that they're crazy. Now, Anna, on the other hand, she knows things. There is no possible way she could know. She sees dead people. She talks to the other side. I mean, she has no problem knowing she's not a body. <laughs> and But from the time that she first started talking and she first started having those experiences, I encouraged her. And I never said, you didn't really see that, and I never said, that doesn't happen. You can't know that. You know, I would ask her, how did you know that? <laughs> but her sweet little innocent answer was always, my head just knowed it. (laughs) And so somewhere in her, she knows she just knows this stuff. And so my daughter doesn't think she's crazy because she's been having this her whole life and I've always validated it. But people that have not been validated or if it comes on as a new experience later in their life, they think they're nuts. There's been people that have clearly heard from God to do something and they thought, God, I must be insane. No, you know, nobody would ever ask somebody to do something like this. It can't be God. And when we, when, when I have a thought like that and I think, oh, God, that can't be God, then I am closing out my guidance and I am forgetting that I'm not a body. <laughs> it's not about the physical world. It's about something else. Anyway, I feel like I'm rambling now, so I'm
0: complete... <laughs>
2: Thank you, Rayla.
6: Yeah, thank you, Rayla.
0: Thank you, Rayla. Very interesting.
6: Yeah.
1: Thank you, Rayla. And think how blessed Anna is to have you on her journey. You are where you're supposed to be, and you're helping her. You are blessed. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Anna, and thank you, Rayla.
3: Lena, you know, that's funny. People tell me that all the time, and I have never seen it that way. I feel like she came here to help me. <laughs> she's my little special angel, and she's been the most magnificent teacher. Um, she has taught me so much. It's just unreal. And I think because it was divinely appointed, um, there I have just... N- naturally had grace for things that I don't understand how I have grace for. Um, And I think that happens when we follow guidance, when we're in the flow of the universe and we're flowing with whatever life wants to bring to us. I think we end up going, good Lord, how in the world did I get through that? And I think it's just because when we're in that flow, we are forgetting that we're a body (laughs) to a degree because we see the bigger picture we see that there's more going on here than just what our eyes can see and our hands can feel you know that kind of thing and I think that's the whole idea of us not being a body is that we see that bigger picture of what's going on in the spirit so when we're in that flow things happen to us that we have no explanation for um um, michael singer I'm sorry, he calls himself Mickey in the book, but Michael Singer in his book um, Surrender Experience talks about that over and over and over again. Things happened. He said, "I I didn't do any of these things. These things happened for me and they happened to me But I didn't do them. And they were all divine things that had just come into his life, gone with the flow. And there were many times even he thought, jeez, is is this what guidance really looks like? (laughs) And it is. But it can leave you feeling like, I must be crazy. Because it's it's out of the norm for those who know that they're a body, (coughs) pardon me, and are living in the tangible world. Whereas, if you're living in the spirit and know that there's a bigger picture, and that the physical part is a very small part of it, then you're not so. I've lost where I was. I'm sorry. (laughs) I have no clue where I was going with that. My brain just (laughs) stumped. I'm
6: complete.
2: Well, was a nice share. Thank you for that, Rayla. It's all fascinating. There are, there are um, um, part of the story of how the course came about is that um, once Bill and Helen had prepared the manuscript, they didn't know quite what to do with it, and along came a woman who was the perfect individual to introduce it, so that it got a uh, Um, a real jump start once it was published and introduced. Her name was Judy Scutch, And the way she um, came to know Bill and Helen was that Judy had a psychic daughter. And her daughter was psychic very early on and was uh, traumatized throughout her life because of her gift. And it was Judy's great passion to um, step out of being um, a housewife and become a uh, promoter and um, fundraiser for departments across the country that were exploring um, human potential. This was in the... uh, um, late 60s and early 70s that she became involved so through her fundraising work and through her advocacy for departments that were uh, advancing our understanding of ESP as it was called at that time extrasensory perception and human potential she learned uh, and of all the major researchers that we're you know trying to advance what we understood about uh what's genuinely so about our capacities in, in all kinds of fields when she went to a conference in new york um, another of these conferences about the human potential that's where as she told it that's where she sat across from helen at a cafeteria table, and as she told it to me, she said she had never had a psychic moment in her life, but as she watched this woman across the table, she was overcome with this feeling that she was to um, learn something or be able to help this woman in some way. For me, at the time when she told me this, I had never heard such an account. Um, personally, I'd read about you know many of these things, but um, I had never heard an account. And this was an, an occasion when she was uh, telling me of this of this encounter. And I didn't, at the time, know about the Course in Miracles, so I had to look at this radiantly beautiful woman across the table from me and asked myself could she be possibly telling me a story here because it was really quite uh, something to hear what happened next she said she was unable to eat her meal because she kept feeling prompted to basically accost this woman across the table um, with these feelings she was having she said she finally blurted out forgive me my name is judy scutch and i don't do this sort of thing but i just can't get over the feeling that you have something that you need to share with me and that it has something to do with you hearing voices and she said helen just blanched bill was sitting next to her and bill finally stood up and said i think perhaps you should come with us and they took her to their office and showed her the manuscript um helen knew i mean uh, judy said she knew as soon as she read the opening to the course that she had found her life's work and shortly after took the manuscript to california and introduced it among all of the people she knew in that movement, and it was an immediate hit. I mean, it was an immediate, it was immediately embraced. I had the opportunity uh, a couple of months later for her daughter to stay with me in Santa Fe, and her daughter uh, filled in everything of her own life, and for my benefit, um, because I was such a skeptic at that time corroborated what I had heard from Judy about Judy's background and how she became involved in the uh, fundraising and advocacy for that for that study Judy had wanted to advance study that would ensure in the future the children who are gifted in the way her daughter was not have to go through um, the kind of um, Uh, scorn and uh, fear that her daughter had been subjected to so her daughter easily shared you know her enough of the accounts of her childhood and and her life and her gift so that it was um for me a a profound um um what's the word i guess um Endorsement of the whole idea. It was uh, I, I no longer had the same uh, question in my mind, whether some people are gifted in that way. So it was a significant meeting for me. The whole thing was very significant. But uh, really, I just wanted to share that with you because it's the, that's the, that's in many ways what was arranged as part of the roots of how the Course uh, came to be so widely embraced so rapidly was Judy Scutch's role in its promotion and uh, introduction to the world and the background of that story with her daughter.
3: Thank you, Lee. That is amazing. And again, it just shows when you're in the flow of of the, of life <laughs> then things they come they come to you things come to you you don't have to go searching like she did helen didn't have to go searching for a publisher it came to her um same thing happened with regina with her nti um she did people kept telling her you have to find a publisher you have to find a publisher and she kept not feeling like that was her guidance and eventually somebody just fell into her lap it just came to her you know someone came to her and and so I think the point is when we are in the flow with spirit, with universe, whatever you want to name it, um, that what is supposed to happen according to life (laughs) is just going to happen. And we don't have to fight and strive and struggle to make things happen. They just come to us when we're in the flow, I'm complete. And
4: when we do this specifically, since we are very specific beings, And we have specific focuses, and we're not in the God focus of complete openness. The one thing that we should understand here is that those who want to be led by the shepherd will find the shepherd, and it won't be a new shepherd. And it won't be a shepherd that has come out of the environment of all of the specifics. It will be a shepherd that has been there the whole time, quietly waiting for everyone to listen. And what I am saying to you this morning is the only reason that I am completely calm in utter dishevelments that bring everybody else to Tears is because I listened to one of the people channeling Raj because I wanted so badly to hear what Helen heard. And everybody in the world has the opportunity all the time. I'm complete.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Uh, Rayla? Yeah, um, Rayla, I'm so yes. grateful you're here. And I'm sure that everybody will share in the giggle, Lee, when you said you were skeptical about the course. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs>
6: definitely. <laughs> that was a great story, Lee. That was Thank so worth so everything this morning. for telling us. Did you get interested in the course after hearing that story?
2: Um, uh, that, that encounter with Judy was, uh, during her, uh, whistle stop in Santa Fe to introduce the course. And I had to be drug, I had to be drug
7: to that. Uh, I
2: I had been studying spirituality, but I had ruled out channel material as anything that I would be interested in. So when my mentor told me he wanted me to come to that meeting, um, to record it for him, um, because that was the work I was in, and was uh, um, audio and video. I asked him what it was, and when he said it was a channel book, I said, oh, God, Al, I don't want to do this. And he said, I'd, I'd like you to do it for me, it's really important. So um, so because it was an it I, I arrived to record before the meeting started and thought I would get everything set up and teach him how to flip the tape. That's all he had to do, the cassette tape. And and then I would depart. But Judy and Jerry Jampolsky arrived early at the event. So the four of us sat for dinner, and that's when Judy told me the story. So she definitely had my attention with the story. And as I looked at her through those pearly of hers and, and that bright, freckled face, I thought either this woman is lying through her teeth or this is really something I haven't accounted for that I need to learn about. And so I did stay for the for the lecture and um, walked away with a book as to uh, most of those in attendance. And the Course in Miracles community was, was instantly born here in Santa Fe. Um, you know, that same week I had a Course in Miracles meeting in my house and there were at least three others that began in other people's homes that same within the next, you know, across that next month. So it was, uh, it was an impressive lecture from the two of them in a life-changing uh, encounter, obviously. Yes, I had been very skeptical about anything channeled at that time.
6: Well, that's great. Thank you. Thanks for telling the story. I was skeptical about Channel 2. I had read the book through before I investigated how it came about. But once I found out it was channeled, ugh. But I kept reading, but I was very skeptical. I'm not anymore. I'm complete. That's a great story, Lee. Thank you.
2: Sure, Absolutely.
0: Boy, everyone, doesn't it make you want to go to Santa Fe more than ever now? Totally. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'd love to hear other people's um, experience of how they first came to the course and how you came into understanding it.
6: I'm complete. All right, I'll tell mine. I think I told it a bit. I um, had decided, that I was working as an accountant, I decided to stop and devote all of my time to the, our art profession. So I had some free time, decided to jump into spirituality. Everything I read quoted The Course in Miracles. So I went to the store and I got the book and I went, uh-uh, I'm not reading it. It looks too much like the Bible. I'm done with the Bible, I'm not reading it. Because it was blue. <laughs> and um, went back and continued to read and uh, and still everything I read kept quoting it. So I rewatched it when we went back to the store and bought the book. I the week I bought the book, my friend's husband got very sick. And I went to stay with her And we went to the hospital, I think about 10 days. I stayed with her and her husband passed away. And during that time, I was reading the book. So I was going through this process of watching this death and reading the book. And I got to the middle of it. And it was like something said to me, Fran, this is your answer. This is it. This is what you've been searching for. Closed the book. The friend's husband passed away that day or the next day. And I opened the book after that at the very beginning and knew it was my answer. And that was not. I, I uh, read it. I haven't studied it like this since I got on the call. So it's just been a process. But I knew that day that that was the answer, and it helped through that death also. Incomplete. That's my story. I'll stick it in. Uh. Not half as interesting as yours, Lee, but. Thank you, Fran. Okay.
2: Chris, how about you? Well,
0: mine's pretty simple. I mean, I am always floored when anyone could pick up this book and get through it and read it, <laughs> Fran. <laughs> <I> just don't. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have had this book for 20-something years and there was always a longing and a, a yearning. For, there's always been a calling since I uh, forever. And I always knew there was something bigger than myself out there. I've had many metaphysical experiences, um, some profound and some simple. But I was sitting next to Fritz in a... In a um, in a an FIP group and his book was different than mine and I didn't understand why and then it led me into this crazy search a couple years ago and I found this group and then from the second I got on that call everything fell into place the course started to make sense I started to shift and shift and shift and this morning when I was doing my um meditation with the lesson I was thinking about everything that I've asked for, I've received. And, and I think about the physical experience in my body, everything that I have set goals for in my life, I absolutely have. It's it's pretty mind blowing. Um, and even more so, the, the, the material things that have shown up in my life, I've had more, I've had less, but it's it's a hole that can never, ever be filled. And the through the beauty of this course, I hope this makes sense that I have a sister who um, I love dearly. And now I'm understanding what unconditional love feels like because she represents the part of me that can never um, fill that hole with material things, if you know what I mean. And through this course with you people every day, the letting go of that experience has allowed me to have a relationship with her that has been yearned for for lifetimes, and I could not be more grateful. And I can't wait for what's yet to come. I'm
6: complete. Oh, Chris, love it! Thank That's you, Beautiful, Chris. Yeah. How about Thanks, Chris.
1: Yeah, I'm. I was just. I'm going to share my story. Um, and yeah. I'll, and I'll okay. I have an echo on my line. Does, does everybody else hear it? Okay. You know, over the years, I say starting around my 40s, I started to question, what does it all mean? What is it about? But there was always something that said to me, there's more to it. I always believed there was a God, even though I was raised Catholic. Not, a, you know, not a devout Catholic because my family was half Orthodox and half, I didn't really. It was just something I seeked to feel like I belong somewhere. But I never really had a firm belief in Catholicism, now that I think back. I was always fearful. I was a fearful child, so of course hearing that I'm a sinner, so I lived with a lot of fear. And I have to give you the background. And having, you know, come, going to the church, out of the church, didn't do the Catholic school, public school, And but I always felt there was something missing. And then one time, uh, a dear friend of mine, I have to give you this too. She was diagnosed with cancer, and um, I had gone into this health food store, and there was this woman who I was introduced to who was a Reiki master, and I had asked her to do, and I think I told the story to somebody on the call, I don't know, maybe it was at the conference, but she administered Reiki on my friend and found out she lived right next, around the corner from me, and I would see this woman from time to time, and she always something in me, like I felt I knew her, knew her other than just this relationship. And this one particular day, about four years ago, five years ago, and I had read over the years different books, different, you know, spirituality, Edgar Casey, and I always felt I was looking for more and more, half-believing, not believing, finding the answer to the why, why. And this one day, I'm out the door with my chores to do, and and I had to go here and go there and something told me go to the health food store. And I said, ah, and I said ah, I'll go. And there was this woman, and we embraced and we hugged and I, you know, she said, oh, you know, I said, she said, how you doing? I said, ah, you know, so so. She said, why don't you come over for a cup of tea tonight or whenever? And I did. We sat and we had tea, and I started to speak to her about, you know how I'm feeling, and like there's something missing. And she says to me, why don't you come with me to this Unity Church? Because I was going to church every Sunday, you know, not feeling complete, walking out of there saying, I only go because I want to get on my knees and say, thank you, God, for all that I have. Anyway, I go to Unity, and I will tell you, the minute I walked in that door, I knew I was home. I knew in the depths of my heart I was home. I sat for the first service with tears running down my face of gratitude and getting absorbed into the unity philosophy of love and peace and no sin. And I knew that's what I was looking for because I knew I wasn't a sinner. And then all of a sudden I'd hear the talk of this course of miracles. And something really sparked in me. I, like, I have to find out. And then someone said, yeah, they're selling it in the bookstore. You know, we have a little bookstore in the, uh, uh, Unity. And I saw this big, massive book. It was, oh, my God. <laughs> and then we get an announcement the next day that this Reverend Pamela Whitman is going to do classes in The Course of Miracles. I will tell you, the moment I opened that book, I knew I never doubted. Never. Nothing even hurt me to say, go find out who this Helen and this Bill is and find out. Nothing. I knew it was Jesus. I knew. I trusted And as soon as I sat down to look at it and peruse it, it scared me and I was reading it on my own. I'm saying, oh my God. And then when Pamela started her classes, I knew and I never doubted and never questioned it. And from that day on, I've been a devout student without doubt. That's my story. I'm complete.
6: Love it, Paula. Thank you. That was great.
4: Thank you.
2: Pretty synchronistic timing with Paula with uh, Pamela starting classes in that same period.
1: It,
4: it great was just,
2: story, Paula. Thank you. It
1: was everything was just falling in. It was like here I was. Opening up to this new love within myself and feeling so good about me. And then all of a sudden, and I just, of course, a miracle. I, was like, I knew I had to get my hand to start. This is something that one's supposed to be doing. And then there was Reverend Pam. So I thank her. And then came Reverend Regia. And then it was like, the rest was history. <laughs> Here I am today. So grateful. <laughs> So very grateful and still a devout student. <laughs> but it has answered a lot of the questions. And it's only myself, that little self or that ego that I think I am, that I have to just stop interfering with it and just go with the flow and build, keep building on that trust. Because that's what the Course has been gearing me to trusting. Trust. So I am so thankful that Jesus, and I say it every day, thank you, Father, for helping me to remember what, I'm really, what I really want. And thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit in this dream. And thank you for Jesus Christ who is showing me the way. I say that every morning. And I re- just help me to remember what I really want. I am grateful. I'm complete. Wow, oh,
6: thank you, Paula. Paula. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, Beautiful. Wow. Trust, I love that. Wow.
5: Okay, who's next? Well, Come on. I guess I'll tell my story. This is Ida. Hi, hi. I uh, hope you're all <clears throat> doing good and feeling good today. Um. So since I was a kid, you know when I was nine, I think that was the one I read in my parents' book from you know, Normiv's appeal. I wanted I wanted a you know, a Ouija board for Christmas and I wanted a Creskin ESP game for um my birthday or something like that and I read before I was a teenager, you know, my, my parents book Psycho-Cybernetics. And then, like, um, when they had uh, God Will Work With You But Not For You by Leo Russell. That one, I looked in it when I was 11, and I said, this is it. Because I had seen on TV and everywhere, you know, all the war and fighting and, you know, protesting war, but then that was a fight, too, at least what I saw of it. And then... um. And with my Middle Eastern background, I was very sensitive to all that. But um, so I went on and, you know, got married in 1980 and was still studying the Russell's books and stuff like that. And but in the 80s, I also saw Jerry Dompolski's books somewhere and was reading them along with book Sign you know, other sort of healing, spiritual, emotional um, healing topics. And um, so I was reading that, and I guess it mentioned that it was originally uh, inspired by A Course in Miracles, so I, just, I looked into it, and, and um, I realized that even when I was still in Virginia then, uh, in uh, either late 80s or early 90s, at some point I went to group uh, group, uh to study of course what was the FIP version um back then and I remember people were arguing about <laughs> how to interpret the words or how to interpret more likely the ideas of the and in the miracle, what ideas we were arguing about or I felt like I think I kept quiet because I felt like, you know, they know better than I am have uh, been in it longer. And um so and because I was just naturally shot. But um, well, I went through a lot of trauma in my own way. But um, so anyway, so I moved out here to um, Arizona in '93, and um, uh, by some point I got it, I bought a set of books, maybe from the well, you know FYP um people, but um, it was the one with the three hardcover books. That was cool, and um, studied it even when like I got into the mental health system so I put my foot in in 96 and seriously in 97 and um, and I went to a group here. I mentioned Charles, a great guy who was leading a group and not, there was some other group I think that I went to with maybe Betty Cundiff, but the, might have heard of her or whatever too. I think she was the other person I was leading the group I went to. That's my, that's my only claim to say maybe it was famous course teachers. But Anyway, so, and you know, I was getting stuff, and it was really neat, but it was getting in my mental and, and I'm sure, a spiritual level, but it wasn't filtering down so much into my emotional life, and then, as I said, um, when I was homeless, and um, I had a boyfriend, and he and I would walk around together during the day because I had to be out of the shelter, and this cab driver kept coming up to us and going, you... I'm like, what is this? And, like, oh. and it turned out to be Ernie, I forgot last night, named a Hispanic guy with a bunch older, and he was from Beccancar. And he, had like, helped found Beccancar in, in this area in Tucson um, a while from back. And so, you know, I guess I just wanted to find something else. I was like, you know, Hungry you know, for the truth and stuff. So I got involved with that for basically um, all of the OO decade. And, and, and then, you know, I went to choir and all this stuff. And, and one day, one day I just, um, I was going there a week. And one day I just didn't feel like going. And I didn't know why, but I thought, hmm, you know, there's a bunch of people that go there that don't go every week. I'll just go next week. And of course, next week never came. And I still didn't know why. And or really, oh, I uh, I got something from the Rosicrucians in California for a, a little bit, but they wanted five hundred dollars to join, and I couldn't do that. And I'd already sort of had a little Rosicrucian thing when I was nine in their in their children's program and stuff. And, um, I'm like, no, and I heard about this Walter, you know, groaning, the this, this healer guy, and the lady was telling me on the phone, you know, why don't you, you know, why don't you come to the city? And what, it was kind of like, she was saying, but she wasn't saying, what's the matter with you? This thing can heal? I, and I didn't, again, I wasn't totally sure why, but, but, you know, it was great stuff, but it just wasn't my thing. And then in, about October of that year, around my birthday, that was 2009, I said, I talked to God out loud in my apartment, and I said, God, if you are there, because at this point, I was so, after the whole life of doing that stuff, and there's stuff that I didn't mention, like, you know, spiritual self-help, all that kind of stuff, and been, you know, done the pyramid thing and all that stuff, I was like, God, if you're there, um, i got to tell you that I just really, you know, don't. This is I, I want to tell you that I am not going to do spiritual groups or religions anymore because I'm tired of it because, A, um, I don't feel like much of a better person for having done all this, and, B, um, I really don't feel any closer to you, and, of course, I wasn't sure he existed. So, that's what I said, and then, but we're still open to something about healing. I also took Reiki and became third level. They said, you can't call yourself a master because you didn't take, I didn't take the part that um, would have let me initiate others. But I got through Reiki 3. And I couldn't make it a, a profession. And I was very disappointed about that. And uh, so let's see. Where am I? So, okay, so, so I was looking in meetup dot com for other kinds of groups that I could join like social or other interest groups and stuff. And I kind of seen this thing at the bottom of the uh little pink icon mandala at the bottom of the left page for uh two weeks and then it says are healing and I'm like, well I'm gonna check this out. This is healing and that turned out to be the freedom teaching, so I gradually got involved in it. And it took me a year to let go of the stuff I learned or was programmed to learn, I don't know, in Economic. You know, what about the Mahanta and all that stuff? Because the freedom teachers didn't have any of that stuff. But then I you know, I was talking about was telling me, like, you know, I thought like, wow, I finally found the truth of the universe so it was telling me what is the real deal with two twelve and all these different things that that I wanted to know. But they have their big argument type stuff too and then in two twelve, but before the, you know, in August or May of that year when the speaker number two and three got fired and it turned out speaker number two who said he had been John the Baptist had been abusing speaker number one for a decade when they'd been married and all these things and I was like so upset and angry and oh my God, it's like, isn't there any spiritual group on this planet that but doesn't have something like this going on at some point because that car had a thing too. So, um, but I was still there, I was questioning and, and doing all these things. And then, and then this year, um, when, uh, to my joining over, oh, anonymous, this guy and I started talking to each other. He's in New Jersey. And he mentioned that he had been asked to to read a course of miracles. i was like, okay, a course of miracles. And he used some context, but he got it wrong. He said we shouldn't question. We I mean, like, I shouldn't ask a question like what year he was born or something because questions bring us back to the ego. And I should say it a different way. And he's a younger guy, and and I just thought, oh my God, it was really hard. Even though he said some things that I just went, whoa, you know, I just felt like. He's, he's like a guru or something. So I I told you guys how it was like it was great, and then it wasn't great, and then it was just horrible, and I had to ask him to stop contacting me. But I couldn't, and then I had I felt this, this break of energy between him and I. Like there are these energy bonds in, in my belly to him. And when I said that, that day, like I was lying down, and I felt, all this break up, so I kind of tried to, like, energy seal it or whatever so it wouldn't, you know, get me again or whatever. And But that's how I heard about Course in Miracles again. And then I really wanted to bond with the Course in Miracles and started looking online for any Facebook groups or anything that was currently going on with the Course in Miracles. So that's how I found you guys. That's how I heard about the original edition. And I'm like, what? Original edition? Like, I didn't know all that story. And so, you know, I read that and I thought, well, I think maybe the original edition would be better than the, you know, and all that. And, that, and that's how I got into your group. And um, and now I do feel complete, not just for, I'm about to stop talking, but I feel like, you know, what I had the introduction to in the 80s and 90s, now it is. And I'm ready for it to change, heal, and grow me to the agency of Jesus Christ and our Father and the Holy Spirit. Um, healing emotional things which I really needed to heal. That trauma from childhood and other traumas later on and all this kind of stuff. And um, I had a lot of physical stuff going on in my life too. I was never like I never had, like, cancer or a heart attack or anything dramatic like that, but there is always stuff going on. There still is now with my digestive system and things like that. And um, so I'm very interested in what ACIM has to say about healing and health and inner peace and all these different things. And so, of course, my background also leads me to um, strongly have interest in some of it, perhaps more than other other subjects in there. But um, I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful for the whole my whole process. Um, like I said, I'm really sure I used to be a warrior, and I you know did or. Dream teaching says all it's all simultaneous. It's like not really a quote unquote past life and all that. But I'm sure it's affecting my other lives, my other selves, whoever the heck is out there that I'm connected to. And, uh, <laughs> I, I have to go now. Thank you. I'm complete.
2: Thank you, Ida. What a journey.
0: Thank you, Ida. So blessed.
6: Was fascinating. Fascinating, Ida. Thank you so much for sharing all that.
1: Yeah, that was some journey, Ida. Welcome home.
7: So I got on the call late, but I get the impression we're talking about how the course came into our life, correct?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Love to hear Stephen.
7: Um I didn't grow up around religion, uh, we didn't have uh, um, really much interaction. You know, we were, I joke oftentimes that, that uh, because of my uh, cousins, they went to a Lutheran school, that um, my mom and my sister and I, for a while were, at least for a while, were, were Christmas and Easter kind of people, and then as I got older, Christmas and Easter even went by the wayside, so I didn't really have much church exposure, which certainly, in hindsight, It's just like not having a father in my life. I didn't get a bad impression that I had to undo, but it left a great big hole. So I didn't have any spiritual teaching growing up. And when I started in college, um, I had just gotten through some recovery from this uh, horrendous motorcycle accident that I had um, just before I graduated high school. Uh, I turned 18 in uh, March of 73. In April of 73, I broke both of my legs and my right arm, and uh, they kept me in the hospital for a month, and so they let me out in May, and I graduated high school in June. Well, I take that as the first real turning point of my life, that, that that was that was when youth ended you know because uh, i really believe i had one of those "you want to stay you want to go experiences you know and uh, uh the message was real clear you can you can go you can move on and uh, and that'll be just fine uh, there'll be more for you to learn or you can stay here which will be just fine there'll be more for you to learn but there will be pain and i went okay i'll stay and then I remember the overwhelming pain that came with uh, with the uh, the consequences of that accident, and uh, so anyhow I'm recovering from that, and I start going to college. So I went, didn't go right out of you know high school but we had a local college, community college, that I started to go to. And I started to have these questions, you know, about what's it all about, Alfie? You know, uh, there's got to be more to this than what I'm seeing. And um, I had a cousin uh, who who was a spiritualist. And I talked to her a little bit, and she talked about different realms and, and, and uh, different dimensions and different things with spiritual interaction and all that. So I kind of planted the seed And then I found myself um, moving from Michigan, where I was born, Saginaw, Michigan, um, to Nashville, Tennessee. Well, I'd always had this ability. Whenever I would get involved with something, I became fairly good at it. Um, And my high school had a TV and radio station, so that's where I started doing radio for the first time. I didn't go the TV route as much, the, the lights, <laughs> the lights were a little too warm for my metabolism, but uh, radio, I had the, uh, I had the perfect uh, face for radio, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, got involved with that, started, was doing country music, uh, locally in Michigan, and ended up going to Nashville, and I, I ended up doing country radio in Nashville, Tennessee, and, uh, there was also there a friend of mine who had been my program director at one of my stations in uh in michigan that's how i got invited to uh, go to go to nashville and uh, he was uh, extremely pentecostal i mean he was a serious zealot he really was and so i went to a church of god and so this is voluntarily me going to this really fundamentalist christian church and uh and they're talking in tongues and they're falling out and things are going on but there's still something that says you need to be here and so I attended that for a couple of months and was taken aback right from the beginning because the first thing the first, <laughs> the first uh, um, church um, um, Sunday morning that I attended they were They were doing tithing, and it was like the begging for money thing. And I said, see, this is why I don't do religion. Uh, uh, But I kept coming back regardless. And then there was an experience where somebody was talking in tongues. And apparently, again, I don't know a whole lot about it, but but somebody gets the message, you know, and they speak it, and then somebody understands what they're saying and is supposed to um, um, tell the interpretation. Well, this person starts saying something in a language, a tongue, you know, as Jesus a speak of other tongues, and uh, talks that, I, that nobody could understand. And I got a very clear message about what they were saying. And I was supposed to—I I was real clear. Wait, I understand what they're, they're talking about here. And I thought, am I supposed to say something? And being so new. Um, I didn't have the um, uh, I didn't have the sense of I, it was my place to you know to say that out loud to the uh, to the church, so um, so I passed on that. But I really felt like I got a spiritual message, you know, and again a sign I'm on the right path. I'm doing something, and uh, moved away from the Pentecostal church into a, um, a more mainstream kind of Christian church, not heavy fundamentalist, but but uh, more mainstream. And so this was like the mid-80s and ended up leaving Nashville, moving to Florida. And in Florida, um, it was a major life change because my, my life is in great, big, super major stages. chunk chunk So chunk the, the, uh, So the Michigan stage ended cool. The Nashville stage ended cool. And I'm off to Florida. And I was there for a couple of years and met this um, met this lovely woman, and uh, we started dating, and she uh, eventually became my wife. But uh, we had been dating for a short period of time, and I took a job. I saw, saw a job and, and went to it because it said sports-minded. You know, so, I mean, I thought I was going to work for Wilson or Spaulding or something like that, you know, going <laughs> to be selling sports equipment because I had gotten a job selling automobiles and I think I could sell. And uh, I ended up answering this ad, and it was for an organization out of Chicago um, called Combined Insurance Company. And Combined Insurance was started by the guy who coined the term positive mental attitude, PMA. He took a $100 in a dream to a multi-billion dollar international organization. He co-authored a book with Napoleon Hill of Think and Grow Rich fame, and I'm sure many people have heard of Think and Grow Rich. Um, and um, um, Dr. Napoleon Hill and Mr. Stone co-authored a book called Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude. So I began to uh, recognize how the things I think about were the things that were bringing, were showing up in my life. You know, it was Metaphysics 101 that I had never been exposed to. And I'm with this new company for just a matter of of a couple of months. And on the radio, I'm listening one Sunday morning, and there's this guy talking about how what you think about you become and you bring about, and and, uh, the principle that that, um, God is not the, the man in the sky with the long gray beard throwing down uh, uh, lightning bolts if you screw up that God is a, uh, is a presen- presence and en- an essence the source of all that is and I'm listening to this guy on the radio I and mean, this is amazing and it was a fellow uh, named Roy Graves who was a science of mind minister in Winter Park, Florida so I started going to the church and I just absolutely fell in love with this I mean the teaching just continued to speak to me hold on one second Oh, I Okay. okay. I wonder if he's on mute. Oh, Stephen is absolutely. still with us. I'm so sorry. I, I'm so sorry. I, uh, I, w- I was chatting away because the uh, the folks I'm staying with knocked on the door. That's why I stepped away. And when I hit the button, I thought I was uh, off mute. So apologize for that. But uh, but those, that's how I got involved with positive mental attitude and with science of mind teaching. The metaphysics behind why the things that we think about come into our lives. And so I got this sports piece about, you know, again, how Michael Jordan can win basketball championships and Arnold Schwarzenegger can become Mr. Olympia seven times, all those kind of things. And I'm understanding the spiritual piece behind it. And so that journey continues for me for several more years. And, again, I'm doing science and mind aspect and, you know, just loving the classes, taking as much of it as I can take, just fascinated by the teaching. And my life is just moving in, in tremendous uh, leaps and bounds. And uh, I ended up marrying this woman that I was uh, mentioning before, and uh, and she was Catholic. So I got exposure to the Catholic religion. We went to what are called pre Canaan classes, you know, before you get married in, in the Catholic Church. They want you to go and and. Get this, um, you know, Catholic take on marriage and all those kind of things, and uh, the way that synchronicity works. I mean, we know how we see these signs and stuff. And uh, Dawn was her name, and uh, she and I were in this Bretonna class, and it was this this um, this priest was talking and blah 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 blah, and he said except for divorce, and there was this huge clap of thunder when he said the word divorce. It was, it was so amazing to see. Holy cow! He said divorce, and boom. And it again was one of those signs that boy, there's something going on here, you know. And um, and anyhow, so we we were together through uh, through 1988, and then things went a different direction, and I ended up uh, with getting involved in a divorce. And that's when I first picked up a course in miracles. Now, again, I'd been really entrenched in science of mind. Didn't know much about unity at the time. I knew it was a similar kind of teaching, but uh, again, science of mind was my avenue. So, um, so the uh, uh, the idea of looking at metaphysical churches and 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 what I was open to is what I knew. And here was Catholicism, so I got that, and. And that didn't work for me. You know, I was getting divorced in the Catholic Church, so so much for that being there to support me. You know, uh, uh, so that didn't do a whole lot to entrench me to the Catholic belief. And I never did really accept Catholicism, regardless. But anyhow, the uh, uh, I got exposed to the Course in Miracles because I was going through this divorce therapy, and still a million questions and different kinds of answers. And it was the therapist there that that who was the first one that asked me about my drinking see in Michigan we had this insane window where we dropped the drinking age uh, from 21 to 18 well that happened in 1972 and I had that motorcycle accident in 1973 so as I said before I turned 18 in March of 73 and had that accident in April so it I I was legally of drinking age for a month I was certainly sober when the accident happened it wasn't involved there but afterwards when I got out all I could really do was drink my sister had a new boyfriend who drank and smoked a lot of pot. So that became my, my lifestyle as I, was, uh, as I was recovering. So this, this divorce therapist asked me about how much I drank. And I said, well, you know, now that you mention it, and he said, and how often? I said, well, now that you mention it, you know. And, uh, and, and he said, how much? Well, now that you mention it. And he said, you know, you might want to go check out a 12-step meeting called Alcoholics Anonymous. Have you ever heard of it? I said, no. And he said, well, he said, you may not be alcoholic, he said, but it's a really very interesting lifestyle. You might want to go check it out. So I went to my first meeting, and boy, I absolutely knew I was in the right place, you know, I mean, from what these people were saying, because um, alcohol would be such a, a part of my adult life. Um, I joke oftentimes I was weaned on mother's milk the first time, and uh, on were beer the second time. And uh, I go to the AA meeting, and here's another spiritual path that uh, that is saying that you go through this spiritual transformation, and you start to change from the way you were before and lived before into this uh, you know, into this transition into a. Uh, a new awareness, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all our affairs is the 12th step. So it's about spiritual awakening. And not too long after that, and I'm still going through this divorce, and I'm exposed to A Course in Miracles at uh, one of my one of my uh, 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 metaphysical churches in Cincinnati. And I looked at the book and I found the book interesting, but I was far from ready for a uh, you know, for the ego and the Holy Spirit, you got to give up the ego and you know go with the Holy Spirit and all that. I wasn't ready for that um, because I hadn't really actually embraced the twelve step yet. Well, once the uh, once the judge hit the gavel and I was divorced, um, I had a really bad night that night, and I have not had a drink since. So that was December thirteenth of nineteen eighty-eight, and so I went through a year of twelve step recovery and then was reintroduced to the course um i had gone from from uh, cincinnati to los angeles i had a job offer so i went to los angeles and uh instead of getting in in trouble in la i got a a, a wide exposure to twelve step recovery and other metaphysics and again right place right time just what i needed and i had this quantum leap in my awareness then I'm offered a job at the home office with the Positive Mental Attitude Insurance Company I'm with in Chicago. So I leave L.A. and go to Chicago. And again, a ton of different things with, uh, we, we'll share another time about you know the synchronicity of things, but, uh, but off to Chicago. And that's where, um, in going to Chicago, I really recognized, you know, that there was something really special going on here. And so embracing uh, this new relationship that I had been and became involved in and uh, and science of mind and positive mental attitude. And I was exposed. Uh, I went, because of adult children of alcoholics, went to a unity church. And this first unity minister that I met, uh, a fellow named Jack Poole, uh, there in suburban Chicago on the North Shore in uh, Illinois. And he's the one that said, oh, uh, um, science of mind. And he said, yeah, he said, unity and science of mind are a lot alike. He said, unity has a bigger heart. And I went, oh, how interesting. And, you know, I had learned about the transformation from heart to mind, you know. Uh, uh, and. That you really have to change your mind about things, and 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 that you, but you also have to change the the, the feeling. You know, as man believeth in his heart, so is he. And so I knew that there was, you know, again, major changes coming out at shifts. And um, the uh, uh, this Unity Church was having um, was having uh, course in miracles um, classes, meetings uh, on Sunday before church. I said, well, I'll go check that out. And I went to my first uh, a Course in Miracles group, and I went, "Oh my goodness, this is some interesting stuff." And so I kept coming back. And uh, it didn't take me long to uh, hear, with one of, the, one of these other guys, was uh, was sharing his uh, uh, his interpretation of the course. That he was a twelve step guy too. So. Uh, the parallels between the 12 Steps and Course in Miracles came very early on in my exposure. So we're talking 1990 here. So I'd been sober a year, embraced the 12 Steps, understood what those were about, and then I was exposed to Course in Miracles. And this fellow, because uh, I was six years in Chicago, and the, uh, um, the fellow that I mentioned became my 12 Step sponsor, but, um, but also he and I developed this program called the 12 Steps uh, into a Course in Miracles. And it seemed so because both of them were new uh, uh, in my, my consciousness, the way that they intertwined and, uh, and embraced and, and supported one another. And I also really liked the ideas that um, that the course presented versus some of the 12step things like you' you know you're always sick, you'll always be an alcoholic you'll always you know, all those kind of things um, the fear and, and that uh, um, that that oftentimes is used effectively to stop addicts and alcoholics from being addicts and alcoholics. Um, That's not what the course teaches. Um, But you have to have the one discipline before you're free to use the other one. So again, that started the dance with the Course in Miracles And six years in Chicago. And from there, I I took a job at the University of Michigan. So I go to Michigan, and um, there's the Unity Church in Ann Arbor there. And um, so started attending there. And then, while I was in Chicago and worked for this positive mental attitude company, I became involved with Wayne Dyer uh, Wayne you know would come over oftentimes for for his talks and lectures you know Nightingale uh, Conant uh, was there uh, his uh, his producer for his audio programs and uh, and of course he had a you know a huge following there in a big market and Come to find out, as I'm listening to Wayne Dyer, he was from Mount Clemens, Michigan. I was from Saginaw, Michigan. His father left him. My father left me. His father was from Biloxi, Mississippi. My father was from Waynesboro, Mississippi. Um, Just this interaction. Wayne became a a spiritual elder brother to me. And uh, um, I spoke with him one time before one of his his lectures. I got there early, and his limo pulls up, and Wayne comes out. And I walk up to him and introduce myself and to tell him that I'm with this organization about positive mental attitude. And he said, "Oh, Mr. Stone." He's W. Clement Stone is the man's name. He said, Sure, I know positive mental attitude work very well," and so that's what kind of uh, um, started the relationship between Wayne and I. And um, and it was funny because he really would listen, you know, things that I would say resonated with him, and I certainly, of course, listened to him. Um, and then I was also exposed in Chicago to a lady named Mary Ann Williamson. Oh, okay, well, she was a big proponent of the Sports and Miracles thing. And, uh, again, I was enthralled by it, so went to that. And uh, so met Mary Ann and uh, interacted with her slightly, not as much as Wayne. And uh, and as I said, when I left Chicago to move to to Michigan, all of a sudden, I understand that the largest Unity Church, you know, in the nation, um, um, the uh, um, Church of Today in Warren, Michigan, the Unity Church started by Jack Boland. Um, Jack had passed away, and uh, uh, and Wayne was a big part of that church, and and because it was in Michigan, and uh, and and the uh, the minister there, Jack Boland, for those that know of Jack, because he was certainly just a a towering intellect in in uh, in metaphysics, but. Uh, but that exposure, and uh, and I had heard that Mary Ann Williamson was going to come and be the new minister at the church of today in, in Detroit, and I went, oh, how interesting. And so I started going to church where Mary Ann was the spiritual leader, reintroduced myself to her, we talked a little, you know, she didn't know me very well, but but they interacted a little, and again, this path with this crisscrossing with this Course in Miracles all the time was just fascinating to me. So I spent a couple of years there, then uh, moved from there on down to work, uh, left the University of Michigan, went to work for the University of Alabama in Birmingham. So in Birmingham, Alabama, um, look up the Unity Church involved with that, um, I get involved with, uh, with another church called the Tribe of Christ, and the two ministers are Cherokee, and you interact and interweave um, Native American spiritual teachings with fundamental Christianity. It was a little too fundamental for me, but I understood, you know, because, again, I was there to, to, to grasp the, the, the Native input, and that became a huge part of my spiritual path. And uh again, obviously, the uh, Unity church is there, and there 's also a science of mind church and I ended up being basically drafted into being the interim minister for the Science of Mind Church in Birmingham, Alabama, and I was ordained and and uh because i you know been involved with and studied for so long in so many different places and uh and so found myself in a very interesting position. Um, again, of of having a chance to experience a ministerial role and learn very quickly. Being a minister is not for me. <laughs> okay, but being a teacher, that would work. And uh, so again, the science of mind, the, the uh, Course in Miracles, 12-step recovery, Native American beliefs, these are all blending. Then that Birmingham experience comes to an end, another chunk, kaboom. And, uh, and it takes me uh, off to Florida uh, and Again, back, because I go to Florida and I heal from whatever the chaos is, so I head back towards Florida. And uh, again, when when I started to study the course, uh, I didn't drink the Kool-Aid right away. Yeah, Jesus spoke to Helen and she wrote this stuff down and Bill e- edited it with her. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But the wisdom of the course kept calling me back. So that's why I kept returning, kept studying. And I remember, just like people in 12-step, remember when they surrendered, I remembered when I really accepted. Okay, I totally believe the brilliance of this course. I got to believe that a level of mind beyond anything that I could have imagined has to be behind this. And I said, okay, I believe that that the mind of Christ working through Jesus, okay, spoke to Helen, and this is how it all came about. And that's where the you know the deep embrace came, and it's just been continued to be an ongoing dance and interaction um, from. From uh, fort Lauderdale uh, uh, Florida uh, to uh, uh, back to Michigan uh, for my uh, high school unit in seventy three and that's where I got involved with a with a unity minister who I met at a minister's conference while I was a minister in birmingham and she and I became uh, uh, a couple and she was a transitional minister so from from Michigan, I ended up going to Sedona, Arizona. And I'm there to do work, you know, with this transitional work with with Unity, and I hear about a group called uh, Circle of Atonement. And the guy said, yeah, they teach A Course in Miracles, and obviously got my attention. And so I started attending study groups with with Robert Perry and with Greg Mackey, and uh, uh, Alan Watson would be there occasionally, because he'd already moved on, but... uh, Started getting this because I've been out with the course twelve years, and all of a sudden I'm exposed to Robert Barry's teaching, and it was a quantum leap. You know, talk about a major shift. Um, it was I felt like graduate work, right? If this is a course, I just took a just got into this graduate program, and uh, so interacted with uh, with with Circle of Atonement uh, for the three years in uh, in Sedona. Got them a minister, and we. Uh, we needed to find a new assignment and so of all the 800 unity churches the one that that, uh, needed our help was in portland oregon well in portland oregon is where alan watson lived alan watson who co-founded the circle of atonement with robert perry had uh, married a woman from there and so they moved back there and uh, so after three years of being able to study with Robert and Greg, I end up going to where uh, Alan is and get to know Alan and study with him for a couple of years. Then from there off to uh, Key West, Florida, and from there on to Ocala, Florida. And all the time, the 12 steps, and this 12 steps into A Course of Miracles and Science of Mind and Unity and all this stuff comes together. And when I look back on it, because uh, the reason that I'm speaking so much is it helps me clarify that whole history thing. I don't wouldn't tell this story to myself, um, but to see how the pieces fit together, and I see how everything that happened has brought me to this particular place that I am right now. And uh, the the, uh, the the lovely woman who I was involved with for nine years, she and I went different directions in 2012. Uh, And uh, so as far as I'm concerned, the Mayans were right. By December of 2012, life as I knew it came to an end. And that phase came to an end and I was ready for a new direction and a new shift, a new Bakhtun is what the Mayans called it. And uh, so that took me back to Key West. I needed to go heel and play and quit studying and not be so serious about stuff. And I just needed a break. And what I learned um, several months ago was spring break was over, <laughs> it was time to leave Key West, and uh, I needed to get back to where I could be uh, more on a spiritual path and spiritual center, because what I'd realized, uh, i had lost the fact that I was on a spiritual path before I met Reverend Mary Lou, and I'd basically adopted the... Stance, uh, the role of supporting her and what her ministry was, and had gotten away from mine in the Twelve Steps and Course in Miracles. So now, with she and I no longer together, the message has become real clear that it's time for me to get back into Steps into Miracles. And now, with all the um, uh, the internet accessibility, the uh, the classes. I mean, I did uh, I did these kind of telephone studies uh, um, with Circle of Atonement for. Um, uh, See the years in Portland, and then uh, years in in, uh, in in Key West. So for many years with that, and so that's why I've been able to to be on the call um, um, much more these these last several months because I'm really trying to make more of a commitment to get consistent. And uh, again, it brought me to where I am today. I've been traveling now. Uh, once I left the Rock, got off Key West. Um, I realized how I need to be in a place where I can be more spiritual service. And there's some, uh, I'm in Tampa right now, and there are just wonderful metaphysical churches, you know, Unity Science of Mind, independent metaphysical churches all through here. Um, I'm right on the path where I'm supposed to be, and I'm seeing things um, from a higher perspective and, you know, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom? You know, here only to be truly helpful and blah, blah, blah. You know, I turn it over and let spirit guide. And uh, so even though it's been rocky, I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I know I've been talking for a long time, but it was just fascinating to me to, since we talked about it the other day about how we got coming to the course, I've been thinking about it. And here you are talking about it. And that kind of brings me to, to where I'm at today. So. So that's why I'm a a big proponent of Course in Miracles. Yes, I totally do believe that that the consciousness of Jesus with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit spoke to Ellen. And she shared it with Bill, and they wrote it down. And then after that was done, you know, um, Ken Watnick shows up and and Helen and Ken want to get together and uh, I mean it's just been a, a, a wonderful journey and I'm totally entrenched and I'm and I'm interested in this new book that's out you know a course of love and what's going on there but I mean I've been 20some years now with course in miracles now so it's not going to go anywhere it's foundational work for me and, and uh, I feel I have something to, to share to others and, and uh, I'm glad people you know do like some of the things that I share and and uh, I don't just mean to be taking up all this time, but it, I just needed to tell this story. So thank you all for listening. That's, that's my Big day. thank, you. thanks.
3: Um, was that Stephen? Is that that was, I'm sorry. This is Rayla. I'm not familiar with your voice.
7: Yeah, Stephen Holland. Yeah. From, okay,
3: Stephen. Um, if you would give me a call um, after the meeting, I have something I would like to tell you about. Uh, my number. Do you have a pen and paper?
7: Um, no, but I can get one. Um, okay yeah, I'll tell you what. let me do this.
3: I am so glad you shared your story because um actually, I have been on the lookout for someone with your kind of story. <laughs>
7: Well, again, I think there's a... a see, when we developed the step, 12 Steps into Course in Miracles, it was for people that had done 12-step work. <laughs> their, their drug of choice or addict, whatever they were addicted to, whatever that's been taken care of. Now they were spiritually hungry for the next level. And that's why that. Course works so well. Um, your name again, please.
3: Okay, my name is Rayla, R-A-Y-L-A. My number is 361-288-6494. Uh, and just pretty much any time during the day. If I don't get you right away, leave a message. I'll call you back. I have a multi-disabled daughter that I take care of, so if I miss your call, that will be why, and I'll just get so, right back right, to you.
7: So, Rayla, what I got was three six one two eight eight six four nine four. That's correct. Terrific. I will certainly give you a call.
3: Thank you.
0: I'm complete. As am I. Well, we are way past um, our allotted time, and I feel like there were other people that I would love to hear their stories. Um, Let's do this. Let's end the call, and I guess if anyone has time, we could um, – let's do this. If everyone's open to let's continue this discussion next week. And um, I guess everyone is joyfully invited to an after call. So at this time, does anyone have a closing prayer for us?
7: If I haven't talked too much, I'll close. Sure. (laughs) Loving God, we trust that there are no accidents at the level of experience that we have right now. We trust that the Holy Spirit brings us together with like-minded people so that we can help remember the truth of who we are and who we came here to be. We trust that we are supposed to be the lights in the world, that we're supposed to be aware of our truth and carry that message as our brother Jesus did. As we awaken and grow, we have such quantum leaps when we share with another brother, another child of God. And we're grateful that we have this opportunity to communicate all around the world instantaneously. We are so blessed with technology, but we are so blessed with the awakening spirit and the shift in consciousness that's going on around the world. We are part of the movement that knows the old way of might is right and power in the world and ego domination is not the answer to bring peace, and joy, and love to this planet. We trust that we are part of the movement to awaken the peace of God not only in ourselves, but in the entire, entire sonship. We're grateful that we can share with others. We're grateful that we have a message. We're grateful that we've come this far. And we're excited about what the future holds for us. We are children of God. We are at peace. We're grateful. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much. That was
5: so beautiful, meaningful. Thank you so much. God bless you.
7: And all of you, thank you.